BridgeBank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to those committed to leveraging innovation to make the world a better place. BridgeBank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. BridgeBank, be bold, venture wisely. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. From KQED. You're listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. The Milwaukee Bucks ignited a wave of boycotts and protests of the police shooting of Jacob Blake when they refused to play Game 5 against the Orlando Magic. The postponement of multiple NBA playoff games followed with NBA play, WNBA players boycotting their games, Major League Baseball calling off two games, it extended to soccer, even tennis, when Naomi Osaka declined to play her match today. We're joined now by Adonal Foyle, 13-year NBA veteran, player advocate and author and co-founder of Democ- Democracy Matters. Adonal Foyle, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, thank you for having me. Also with us is Joel Anderson, staff writer for Slate. He hosted season three of the Slow Burn podcast and previously reported on sports, culture, and politics for ESPN and BuzzFeed. Glad to have you here as well, Joel Anderson. Hey, thanks so much for having me on. And I don't know if you caught a little bit of my conversation with Sean Johnson earlier, but before we get into the sports world, I I do just want to get your reaction to what uh, you were hearing him describe as how the situation has played out and what we've learned about the police response in Kenosha. Uh, well, I don't know if that question is for me or Donald, but um, yeah, I mean, I think obviously it's been a mess. There's been uh, conflicting um, conflicting information about, you know, where the, where the people stand. I mean, because obviously, you know, the governor has called in for the National Guard, but has seemed to intimate that the that he has some sympathies f- with the protesters in the street. And that's confusing. And it probably is infuriating the people that are out there pressing him to do more, pressing the attorney general there to do more. And so um, you can totally imagine that, you know, he probably doesn't know where to go right now and, and neither do the people that would like to see change, um, you know, and, and and would like to see the officers in Kenosha charged in the shooting of Jacob Blake. So um, like as with anything else, man, it's just very it's it's very difficult to know where to direct your anger or where to direct your frustration at right now. Yes, and I think we're even seeing that play out among the athletes, right? I mean, we've heard that the NBA players have agreed to resume playoffs. Do you know anything about how they may have came to that decision? Well, I I I don't want to pretend as if I've I've been in the meetings there, but um, what it seems like is that what happened yesterday was a very organic thing, right? Um, that the Milwaukee Bucks had discussed among themselves that they did not want to play, and when they arrived at the court, that the Orlando Magic realized, oh wow, wait, they're not going to play. Well, we're going to stand with them, and then the rest of the league had to fall in behind them. Um, it wasn't necessarily an organized action and so overnight you know there's been a lot of dissension there's been a lot of you know uh, debate amongst the players themselves about what is the best course of action and so um you get up this morning 
and cooler heads, I guess for lack of a better term, have prevailed. Um, there are a lot of financial implications uh, if they were to call off the rest of the season. And I mean, that's just hard to, 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 to walk away from. You know, there's hundreds of millions of dollars, if not billions of dollars at stake here. And um, it, I think it, it, it just shows that, you know, even, even people that are very rich, they have a lot of financial incentives to, to go along to get along right now. Yeah, I mean, Donald Foyle, can you talk about how extraordinary this move was by the Bucks yesterday and, and just generally the effect that it had on other sports as well? Yeah, I think one of the, the most difficult thing, uh, you know, for our players is that they've been feeling very isolated in a bubble. So they're trying to play basketball in, in, in one of the, the, the most greatest comp- uh, pandemic in a very long time. And what they're asked to do is to be away from the family and to be kind of a source of entertainment to a certain degree. And I think the players felt that there's too many things that are happening in the communities that they can't really respond to and they don't feel like they wanted to play while all of these things are going on and they, they, they're not given um, a voice to be able to articulate uh, some of the frustrations uh, that they have. So they're, they've almost been isolated from the world and then they're asked to continue to maintain that while the world seems to be falling apart outside of the bubble. And I think that that affected the players quite profoundly. Yes, and then just generally, it's been so interesting that it really does feel like in the last few years, more players have been more vocal, taking stands on issues. I mean, that is pretty different from when you were playing, right? Like 10 years ago? I think there's been a, the, the, the sports have always been a very interesting. So, you know, I've spent a lot of time with Tommy Smith, you know, from the, you look at the Olympics, the 68 Olympics. Mm-hmm. And, and then what you have is that sports have always been there. I talked to, you know, you have Corinne Abdul-Jabbar, you have Bill Russell. So we've had a very, really long history of political engagement and activism. But I do think that they've been a lull in that. And, you know, the last, when I was in the league, we talked, we had the war movement, the anti-war movement, uh, uh, you know, going against Iraq. And I think Steve, um, Steve Nash and I have been some of the advocates and, and advocating against that. And what you see now, I think with the advent of everyone having a cell phone, in their in the hands, they're never away from the community like it used to be in the past. So usually when you make it to the NBA, you almost almost uh, detach from your community. And I think now what you're seeing is that players are very much connected to that because they have a phone, they're talking to people that they left behind. And uh, and those conversations are real and, and they're listening to the impact it have on the communities. And let me invite our listeners to join this conversation. Would love to hear what you think of the players boycotting their games, their matches. Would you support your favorite sports teams in joining boycotts like this? Give us a call, 866-733-6786. Again, 866-733-6786. You can also get in touch on Twitter and Facebook at KQED Forum or email your questions or comments to forum at kqed.org. This listener writes, as best I can tell, these boycotts consisted of taking one day's rest. All the games will be rescheduled. Everybody still gets paid tens of thousands of dollars per game, and the season rolls on. There weren't even any fans present. Just how serious are these athletes? I mean, Joel Anderson, do you want to take a stab at that one in terms of whether, you know, how much impact in terms of moving the needle athletes doing these kinds of things have, especially if it's, I guess, short term, as this listener is pointing out? Yeah, I mean, I don't think that listener is necessarily being fair because like a lot of other people, uh, and to Donald's point, I mean, these, these players are connected with people 
not only in their communities, but in their own families that are living with the reality um, that, you know, uh, harms people like Jacob Blake and Elijah McCain and Breonna Taylor. And these players were viscerally and emotionally scarred by the events of the past few days, um, let alone everything else that's happened this summer. So um, I think that's why the strike happened in the way that it did, because it was they were responding to the events on the ground and they were emotionally moved by it. And I'm just sort of reminded that it's not up to the NBA or the WNBA to be the social conscience of the country, or even that they should be tasked with setting an example like our, you know, for our federal government or anything like that. They're taking on a lot. Like playing professional basketball is a chore unto itself. And to Donald's point, they are away from their families. They're away from their homes. They're isolated. And, you know, they have a right to be affected in the way that they are and also to decide, you know what, I think maybe we can uh, make more of an impact if we go back to playing games. Mm. Um, yeah. And maybe it'd be a good time actually to hear a little bit of Milwaukee Bucks guard Sterling Brown delivering part of the team's statement after deciding to boycott their playoff game yesterday. And it's worth noting that Brown was a victim of police violence in Milwaukee back in 2018 and raised awareness about the issue of police violence through a piece in the Players' Tribune this past July titled Your Money Can't Silence Me. Here it is. Over the last few days in our home state of Wisconsin, we've seen the horrendous video of Jacob Blake being shot in the back seven times by a police officer in Kenosha and the additional shooting of protesters. Despite the overwhelming plea for change, there has been no action. So our focus today cannot be on basketball. And then you mentioned the WNBA as well. And this listener writes, let's talk about the WNBA's action, kneeling on the court, wearing shirts where the front had letters spelling Jacob Blake's name. The back had seven bullet points drawn on the back. I mean, it is pretty extraordinary, Joel Anderson, when you think about four years ago today, Colin Kaepernick took a knee for the first time and the reaction that that got. Yeah, no, I mean, I, you know, it. we've really come, in, in a manner of speaking, a long way in those four years to where, you know, uh, Colin Kaepernick was ostracized and ultimately banished from the NFL to where now, you know, kneeling um, before the national anthem is sort of a, uh, you know, that that's the that's the the barrier for entry into activism and professional sports at this point, right? Um, you know, that's it's something that everybody is doing across all sorts of leagues, even in baseball, which does has very few um, black athletes. So, yeah, I, I'm I'm I've kind of been stunned, but I think that the world has changed, and I think that we, you know, the athletes are aware of that. Like we didn't back in 2016. You know, there were people that were smarter. Or they should have been smarter. They thought that we were in a sort of post-racial moment. We were just coming up with the first black president of the United States. And there was this like optimism. And the last three to four years have been really dark. And and so now there's a lot more urgency behind the activism today than there would have been back then. And I mean, the only way that you can the only way that you can sort of think about it is that Colin Kaepernick was essentially sort of ahead of his time in that way. Hmm. You know, we're getting a couple comments here. Lewis writes, it's a strike, not a boycott. Noel asks, isn't this really a strike instead of a boycott? I mean, can the NBA players technically strike uh, a Donald Foyle? Yes, uh, they, they, ha they can strike because they, they do have uh, an agreement in place, but uh, the agreement has already been, been set and it, it, it does not expire for a while. But they do have the opportunity to have a grievance and to sit down and to and to articulate their concerns, uh, both parties can do that. So, and is that uh, what this is? Would've... I mean, is this a strike or would you say it's a boycott? As, this as is the just way that's... A I think yes. this is more of a boycott. 
uh, I think it was more of a work stoppage. Um, you know, they uh, they did not want to play in this game. They felt like they couldn't. And so it was a work stoppage uh, in order to, to assess, you know, the, the next uh, the next move ahead. Oh. Well, let me go to Steve in Oakland. Hi, Steve. Join us. Hi, Steve. Are you there? I'm sorry. Let me go next to Jim in Atlanta. Try, uh, let's try that. Hi, Jim. Hi, how are you? I'm well. Go ahead. You're on. So I want to say, not only do I support their message, but I, you know, I support their right to do it. You know, I'm a veteran, and quite frankly, I, I find it disgusting that people say, well, it's against the flag or against the veterans. You know, we, we, we serve to protect people's rights, including their First Amendment rights. And, I mean, I think it's, it's really disrespectful to say that somehow the First Amendment rights aren't important. So I just wanted to voice my support, not only for their message, but for their absolute right to uh, speak out. Well, Jim, thanks for sharing that. And, and let me go next to Benjamin in Oakland. Hi, Benjamin. Hi, how are you? I'm well. What's on your mind? Well, uh, I just want to uh, kind of respond to one of the commenters saying that uh, this move alone, regardless of, of how long of a commitment the players make, is, is a big deal. I agree, and I want to applaud the players. But I also really hope that they can follow through and do more. They've got an incredible platform, an incredible amount of power uh, and, and platform. And uh, I think if they commit to this, uh, they could really disrupt business as usual and, and make a big impact. And I think that would be that would really show that they're really about it and not just making a one-off move. Um, I don't know if are there risks involved in them doing this though. As as much as people support it and would like to see more of it, I'd love to gauge just what the risks are for the players that they have to weigh. And I think that that's uh, therein lies. Uh, I think some of the the larger concerns we have a lot of players with a lot of different interests. Uh, to assume that they all have, you know, the same concern, it, it would, would be erroneous. They they they're going to be. Uh, all over the spectrum. Some of them will want to uh, be not be involved any longer. Some of them want to stay. Some of them wouldn't want to be there. Some of them want to figure out a way to have more of an impact. So I think part of the challenge, uh, you know, for leadership, not from only the union and the, the 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 league, is to really sit down and really talk to these players and really engage their concerns. Because anyone who who thinks that this is really one or two uh, camps will, will be sadly mistaken. As someone who's been part of the, the association uh, for a very long time, the, the thing that I know to be true is that players are very diverse in, in, in their beliefs and, and in their thinking and how they want to be politically engaged in this society. So that's part of what they were engaging, I think, in the last you know, for, uh, 24 hours is to get a sense of whether there is consensus as to what the players wanted to do. And, and that, I think, takes a lot of time just to, to hear them out and, and to hear what their concerns are. How shocked were you when the Bucks boycotted the game, a playoff game? I mean, it was extraordinary. I, I mean, I was, I, I could not believe that that happened. And, and, and the way that it happened uh, was, it wasn't, you can tell that it wasn't planned. It felt like it was just spontaneous because one team is on the court, the other one is having conversation in the back. And I think, you know, that, that is, that tells you how difficult and how different it is for each of the, 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 the players, uh, you know, in the bubble, because they're, tr they're trying to figure out and get a sense of what's happening in the community and they're trying to figure out you know how to make an impact and how to make an impact so that the world could hear and see what's going on a lot of them 
keep saying stuff like this has been going on for far too long. There need to be some some more response to what's happening in our communities. And I, and I think that's where there's you'll see more and more consensus as players start to really form around a single idea and really start an understanding that they have a moral responsibility to change to change the world in which they find themselves. And that idea even rippled to tennis, I mean, Naomi Osaka's statement, she writes, watching the continued genocide of black people at the hand of the police is honestly making me sick to my stomach. I'm exhausted of having a new hashtag pop up every few days, and I'm extremely tired of having the same conversation over and over again. When will it ever be enough? And Joel Anderson, I mean, you have done some reporting, too, about how immediately after George Floyd, a lot of police chiefs and, and leaders were saying sort of all the right things, right, in terms of really taking a good look at what was good policing. But what have you found more, more recently? Well, I mean, I think an important thing to remember is that um, just in the last day, um, you know, from the scene of the the, the, the shootings in, in Kenosha, that where two protesters were, were killed uh, just the other night by a 17-year-old kid that came up from Illinois, that Prior, earlier that night that police officers had been consorting with and giving water bottles to people that were basically identified as white nationalists. You know yes. what I mean? And so it's or really- <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. They, yeah, they were carrying military style weapons, yes. It, exactly. And so, I mean, the thing is, is that, you know, police chiefs can say and do a lot of good things. And I mean, the re- you don't get to be a police chief unless you're a really good political figure. You have to sort of navigate the bureaucracy of a police department and get there. And so those are going to be the best of the department when, uh, often when they get to that level. But the, the, the people on the ground, the cops on the ground, that's what people are interacting with on a day-to-day basis. And as we've seen, there's just not a lot of movement in terms of, you know, uh, the, the, the numbers of, of, of unarmed black people shot in this country, like year over year, those numbers are fairly consistent. And so, um, I, you know, obviously it's very frustrating to people because we talk about reform all the time. We talk about, you know, different ways in which, you know, police can do uh, community policing, things like that. And it just doesn't work. And um, the problem is with policing itself, not, you know, uh, the the good intentions of police chiefs. Um, And so like that's, you know, I mean, I think that, you know, that's what you saw the other night that people are realizing that, you know what, we can play basketball, we can have Black Lives Matter on the court, we can have messages on our jerseys, and still at the end of the day, in the streets, we're going to have to interact with police that fundamentally think that this is the way policing is supposed to go. Well, Kate writes, I'm so proud of the NBA players for all their activism in the wake of protests against the ongoing systemic racism in the U.S. What I would love to see now is for the entire NBA to follow LeBron James' lead and start a a massive voter registration effort. Donald Foyle, we just have about 30 seconds, but could you talk a little bit about Democracy Matters in that time and tell us and tell people how they can get involved there? Yeah, well, Democracy Matters really tried to answer the question, you know, how do we take back our political system really from the grasp of the um, really uh, torrential downpour of money within the system? I mean, we, we since Citizen United, we have seen an unprecedented rise in dark money in our system. And it's been uh, our attempt that if you truly want a democracy that is responsive to the constituents of the law, you really have to get rid of money and power. You have to private money in politics. Donald Foyle, NBA veteran, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. And Joel Anderson, a staff writer for Slate, really appreciate having you on as well. 
Appreciate having me. Thanks. And thank you. And we'll be talking more about how to make sure your vote is counted in the next segment. I'm Mina Kim. Stay with us. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.